welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Bloomberg and ZXC. The citation for this case is 2022 UKSC 5. And even though we are only a short way into the year at this point, I think it is probably this case that has garnered the most media attention. One of the key reasons for this is because it deals with freedom of the press and caused a lot of discussion about reforming the law after it was handed down. The respondent referred to as ZXC to protect their privacy, but we do know that they are an American businessman who works for a company that operates overseas. Both ZXC and the company that he works for were subject of criminal investigation by a law enforcement body based in the UK. As part of that investigation, the unnamed law enforcement body sent a confidential letter to a foreign state requesting information relating to ZXC and his activities. The appellant in this case is the media company Bloomberg, and their journalists obtained a copy of this confidential letter and used it to publish an article that named ZXC and explained why he was being investigated. Bloomberg refused to take the article down, and ZXC then failed to get an interim injunction, but he was then later successful in a claim for misuse of private information. In particular, ZXC claimed that he had a reasonable expectation of privacy in relation to both the fact that information had been requested about him, and also the details of that investigation. The judges at first instance balanced ZXC's right to privacy under Article 8 of the European Convention on Human Rights with Bloomberg's right to freedom of expression under Article 10 of the Convention and found in favour of ZXC. The Court of Appeal agreed, and so now Bloomberg appealed to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick things up. To start us off here, I think it is important to remember the exact nature of the claim by ZXC, i.e. the misuse of private information. This is its own tort that can be established by a claimant by way of a two-stage test. The first stage is whether the claimant has an objectively reasonable expectation of privacy in relation to the relevant information and taking into account the context of the case. The second stage then requires consideration of whether that reasonable expectation of privacy is outweighed by the defendant's freedom of expression. Thus, it is only at this second stage where the human rights arguments around Articles 8 and 10 come into play. However, for this first issue, the justices only had to consider the first stage test, and in particular whether the Court of Appeal was correct in holding that there is a general rule that a person under criminal investigation has a reasonable expectation of privacy in relation to that investigation before they are charged by law enforcement. The justices began by noting that when a story is published stating that a person is being investigated by law enforcement, there is a negative impact on that person's reputation. In fact, organisations like the police will not generally identify those under investigation before they have been formally charged. Bloomberg advanced four different arguments against the principle that a person who has not been charged has a reasonable expectation of privacy, and it is worth going through each of them in turn. Firstly, using the idea of innocent until proven guilty is problematic here because that is a legal standard 
and not one that is necessarily relevant for members of the public who are reading the article. Indeed, many of those members of the public will be aware that just because a person is being investigated by law enforcement does not necessarily mean that they are guilty. However, the justices disagreed with this reasoning because it is not just about members of the public, but also the claimant's own personal relationships which may be adversely affected by the publication of such details. Secondly, Bloomberg questioned any reliance on the notion that there is no smoke without fire, because in defamation law it is accepted that the reasonable reader can distinguish between suspicion and guilt. Unfortunately for them, this argument was equally unconvincing, because this is not a defamation claim, but one for misuse of private information. Again, this means that the tort is not just concerned with how members of the public will view the information, but also how it will affect that person in their private life as well, in accordance with Article 8. The third argument from Bloomberg was that the information in question here is about ZXC's business dealings and does not concern their private life, but the justices held that this would be too much of a restriction on Article 8, which does include professional or business activities. Finally, it was suggested that the lower courts had not applied the correct Stage 1 test which should include a consideration of all the circumstances of the case. In particular, the circumstances should include the serious allegations of corrupt business dealings in a foreign country. In response to this, the justices looked at how the circumstances are defined in case law, and this in turn takes us back to the famous 2008 decision in Murray and Express newspapers, where J.K. Rowling sued a newspaper for publishing pictures of her infant son. However, the nature of the claimant's action is not a particularly significant circumstance, and the justices found that the lower courts had given it due consideration before arriving at a decision. Thus, while ZXC's status as a businessman involved in a public company might mean that there is greater scope for criticism, that is still within limits. On this first issue, it was held that before they are charged with a criminal offence, a person does indeed have a reasonable expectation of privacy, and in all the circumstances, that applies to ZXC. The second issue was about the confidentiality of the letter that Bloomberg got their hands on, and while it was accepted that this was a relevant factor, it was never suggested by the lower court judges that the confidentiality itself rendered the information private, or prevented Bloomberg from relying on the public interest of its disclosure. Nevertheless, confidentiality and privacy do often overlap, and so if correspondence is confidential, then it will mean that there is more likely to be an expectation of privacy. In the end, the appeal was dismissed and ZXC won this case. After the judgment was handed down, there were a lot of media pieces published that critiqued the decision and worried about freedom of the press. The most prominent among these was by John Micklethwaite, who is the editor-in-chief at Bloomberg. He said, quote, We are stumbling toward a system in which tabloids can still peek into celebrities' bedrooms, but serious journalists cannot report on potential wrongdoing at public companies by powerful people. End quote. I do have some sympathy with this point of view, who, after listening to this podcast episode, doesn't want to know who ZXC is. There is also most certainly public interest in a company that is being investigated for corrupt practices. 
even if those involved have not been charged and are not presently guilty of any criminal offence. This slew of articles was then followed by a statement made by a spokesperson for the government, who said, quote, A free press is one of the cornerstones of any democracy. The government recognises the vital role the media plays in upholding people to account and shining a light on the issues which matter most. We will study the implications of the judgment carefully, end quote. It is likely that this decision will come up again in the context of discussions around reforms to the Human Rights Act. Ministers are keen to replace it with a British Bill of Rights, and the early suggestion is that when it comes to the Traditional Balancing Act, there would be much greater emphasis on freedom of expression as opposed to the right to privacy. The temptation is to agree with this because who doesn't want greater press freedom? But it is easy to forget that the media in this country can be absolute monsters and would happily abuse freedom of expression in exchange for a few more clicks. Who can forget what Kelvin McKenzie of The Sun published after the Hillsborough disaster about Liverpool fans pickpocketing victims, or the phone hacking scandal that implicated Piers Morgan? More recently, this case puts me in mind of the Mail on Sunday publishing letters between Meghan Markle and her father, or the BBC's coverage of Cliff Richard's apartment being searched, even though the singer was never arrested. Of course, the freedom of the press is important, but unless it is checked by a solid right to privacy, then the media will run riot with little care for the facts or how a story might affect someone's life. I also think it is worth adding that a lot of this broad strokes coverage in the wake of the Supreme Court decision fails to understand the actual law that was decided upon. As we have noted, there is a two-part test when it comes to the misuse of private information. Firstly, whether there is a reasonable expectation of privacy in the circumstances, and is only at stage two when the right to privacy is compared and contrasted against the right to freedom of expression. Well, this decision was almost exclusively about the first part of the test, and so the question of freedom of expression does not really play a role. Here the reasonable expectation of privacy was established, at least in part, because the source letter was confidential and at first instance Bloomberg provided no evidence that a public interest assessment had been carried out. The media company cries for freedom of the press, yet hinders its own case. In his think piece for Bloomberg, John Micklethwaite says that somewhere Robert Maxwell is smiling. Well, for every Robert Maxwell there is a Rupert Murdoch. He is much more dangerous, and his smile just got a lot bigger, thanks to the support this case is generating for the freedom of expression. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. A quick reminder before we go that if you would like to support the podcast and help to keep it ad-free, then you can subscribe to my newsletter and earn yourself some nice perks, including more content from me each week, and a free ebook on how to answer essay questions on a law degree. This week in the newsletter we talked about SLAP, which is Strategic Lawsuits Against Public Participation, and this is a way in which uh, very powerful members of the community, whether that's the business community or particularly recently we've been talking about Russian oligarchs, can use frustrating lawsuits to essentially prevent honest journalists from doing their work. We talk about how um, this affects not only the oligarchs itself, but also how some of the law firms are also engaging in some shady practices, 
including covering meetings or basically drowning journalists in uh, paperwork and legalese. If that sounds like something you're interested in, then check out the link in the description to this podcast episode. But for now, I'll be back with another episode next week. So, bye!